0: Last week, I brought a message entitled, Lift Up Your Eyes. Uh, I was talking about the dangers of becoming very uh, focused, narrowly focused on, uh, in your vision. Because when you do that, uh, you'll start to do things that you normally wouldn't do. People often act against their own interests, even against their own value systems. When they become very narrowly focused, they'll do things that normally they wouldn't do. They'll act in ways that they would tell you, gee, I don't believe in acting this way. I'm appalled that I acted this way or I act this way. Why do they do that? Those of you who struggle in any area of your life with any kind of addictions or behaviors and stuff, you know is wrong. The reason you keep doing this is because at the moment that you're struggling, you will focus very narrowly on that moment at hand. People who learn to keep a broad vision... Avoid falling into those traps. And I talked about last week why it's so important for us to have a broad vision. Keep our heads lifted up. Don't be just freaking out and focusing in on the temptations or the trials or the uh, struggles of the moment. Keep a broad vision. This will keep help you to uh, succeed more in your Christian faith. Now this week, I want to bring you a message entitled Open Your Eyes. Now the reason is there are people who do stop. They'll break away from the tunnel vision that they have. They'll focus, instead of focusing on their immediate temptations, uh, problems, or, or tests, they will lift up their eyes. They will look around, but then they tend to see nothing. I don't know if you've ever been there before. It can be kind of frustrating. Well, this morning I want to read to you uh, from several uh, portions of Scripture. We're going to start in the Old Testament 2 Kings, the sixth chapter. Uh, It says, now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. And after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such place. It didn't really matter where, they're just summarizing here. Uh, What he would do is he'd get together with his war council and they would come up with their plan to sneak up on Israel, to trip them up, to show up in some place where they weren't expecting and then to attack them. And this took a great deal of discipline, a lot of work. You know, these guys, when they were moving armies, these were huge uh, groups of men that they would move around and supplies and everything else. They would work very, very hard to make sure that their plans would stay secretive and and have a lot of discipline as they moved their armies around, again, to surprise and to defeat their enemy. Well, it says that the man of God, the prophet, uh, his name was Elisha, Elisha, would send word to the king of Israel. God would reveal to the prophet what these other guys were up to. And he'd say, hey, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So then the king of Israel would check on that place indicated by the man of God, and sure enough, there they were, and he would avoid that place. Well, this would happen time and time again. Elisha would warn the king so that he was on guard against such places. Uh, Well, this was very frustrating to the king of Aram. He couldn't figure out what was going on. Every time they would come up with a plan to go to a certain place, boom, the Israelites would find out about it. Everything would blow up. And so this guy was very frustrated. He was convinced that he had a traitor in their midst. We read about it in verse 11. It says, This enraged the king of Aram, and he summoned all his officers and demanded of them. Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? Which one of you guys are traitors? Which one of you guys keeps giving up our plans to the enemy. This can't just be coincidental. No matter what we do, they know about it before we get there. Well, none of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers, but it's Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel. He tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. There's no secrets. God hears you. He tells the prophet. The prophet tells the king of Israel. Well, the king ordered, go out and find out where he is so I can send my men and capture him. Well, then the report came back. We got him. He's in Dothan. We know where he's at. Well, then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there to go capture Elisha. And they went by night and surrounded the city. So the next morning, the servant of the man of God, Elisha's servant, gets up, goes out early in the morning and do whatever he normally does early in the morning. And boom, there is an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city well of course the servant freaks this is bad you know you get up you got a whole army surrounded against you you're totally encircled ah this is a bad deal so he goes freaking out to Elijah says what are we going to do and I love Elisha's response he says ah don't worry about it don't be afraid you know here the servant's freaking out Elijah's just chilling sipping his cappuccino, totally unfazed by what's going on. And he says, man, just chill out. There's no problem. He says, look, those who are with us are more than those that are with them. Well, now, the servant, he may not be in advanced math, but he can do simple addition. There's the army around us, and then there's you and me. I think you don't quite get the math here, Elisha. You're claiming there's more with us than with them. I don't think so. And Elisha prays. And he says, Lord, open this Nimrod's eyes. So he can see. Well, then the Lord opens the servant's eyes. And suddenly the guy could see as he looked. He saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. No wonder Elisha was chilling. He is surrounded by all these cats. Man, I mean, they've got chariots. All these warriors of God are totally filling the hills, way outnumbering this little army that had gathered, this little force that had gathered around Elisha. And as you go on to read the story, you will see that Elisha then single-handedly captures the entire little army. There. And talking about vision, I mean, he did it by blinding all of them. And all of a sudden, these guys, nobody, this whole entire army couldn't see. They were all freaking out. And Elijah said, follow me. (laughs) And he brings them in front of the king of Israel. Of course, they all freak out, you know, because now they're all captured and stuff. But what an amazing thing that this guy was so unafraid because he could see that God was so with him. But the other guy couldn't see it. So, number one this morning, we want to point out the fact that it's possible to be looking and still not see everything that God is doing in your life. You say, Pastor, it seems bleak. It seems hopeless. It seems terrible. I don't know what I'm going to do. Everything is horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, but open your eyes. Well, my eyes are open. I can't see. Yeah, but it's time to pray that God will open your eyes so you can see. What God is really doing in your life. See, if you look at it, if these guys, again, from from the natural, you and I would have reacted like the servant because we would have freaked. Holy cow, there's an army out there to kill us. But we want to be more like Elisha who could see what God was doing because when you can see what God is doing, you quit freaking out because you become aware that God is on your side. I want to read the next story from... uh, the New Testament this is in the gospel of Matthew it says after six days Jesus took with him Peter James and John the brother of James and led them up a high mountain by themselves so here's with all his disciples and Jesus goes up just takes the three guys with him and there he was transfigured before them you say what in the world does that mean well they tell us what happens was His face begins to shine like the sun. And his clothes became as white as light. I mean, this is pretty wild. I mean, they knew there was something about Jesus. They were following Jesus. They were his disciples. They called him rabbi and different as a teacher and leader. I don't know that they quite got really who he was. Goes to the top of this mountain. All of a sudden, lights up. You know, like, wow, Ho Chi Mama. I mean, you have to remember, this is the middle of the day. These people didn't have light bulbs back then. All of a sudden, he just starts glowing, and they are going, whoa. And then, just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Now, this is a big deal. These guys are Jewish men, young men, all their lives they have heard stories about Moses. And the prophet Elijah, Moses and the prophet. Now, how they knew who it was, I don't know. But all of a sudden, there they were, right there, talking with Jesus. Well, they're totally jazzed. This is amazing, you know, this is, you know to all of a sudden see these guys there. Peter gets very excited. He says to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. This is awesome. <laughs> how cool is this? You're glowing like a light bulb. Here's Moses and Elijah. This is cool. He says, let me tell you what we'll do. If you want, we'll put up three shelters. We'll make a special moment here. And we'll build one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Well, now, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud envelops all of them now. And a voice from the cloud speaks, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Oh, wait, now this is more these guys can handle. Okay, first of all, Jesus is glowing. Okay, Moses and Elijah pops up. You don't see that every afternoon, you know what I'm saying? They're all talking. Now this cloud is engulfing everybody, and now you're hearing voices booming out of the sky. Well, they freak, as most of us would freak. And the when the disciples heard us, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. Ah! And then Jesus comes up and he touched them. Which would have freaked me out even more. Ah! Don't do that. Things are glowing. He says, get up, you girly men. That's my translation. Don't be afraid. Easy for you to say. You're glowing. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Ooh, now how cool is this? You see, first of all, it's possible to be looking and not see. But secondly, you have to be willing to look past just what you want to see. See, these guys, they were really jazzed because of Moses and Elijah. I mean, this is what was really exciting for them. They got very, very excited about this. They wanted to build these things, make a special moment. Wow, this is incredible. And God, the Father, shows up and says, hey! Hey! This is my son. Listen to him who cares about Moses and Elijah. And when they looked up then there was only Jesus. A lot of times it's hard to see things because we only want to see what we want to see. Or we get more caught up about things that we want to see and we ignore what we ought to be seeing. Then i read this from uh, the epistles. This is uh, Paul writing to the a letter to the Ephesians. And he writes this. He says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. He's talking about, he says, we were the first ones to believe. He's talking about the apostles and these different guys who first had this incredible opportunity to know Christ. And, uh, and, and actually, if you read the uh, uh, Gospels of John, John talks about this incredible experience that they had on top of this mountain when Jesus was transfigured and all this. Man, this made a big impression on these guys. And he says, you know, but you also were included in Christ. It wasn't just for those of us who met him physically. But for those of you who heard the word of truth and the gospel of your salvation, having believed, you were marked with him with a seal. Blip. You got a seal. placed it on your head. What is the seal? It's the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Now, uh, the King James Version says it's the earnest money of our inheritance. In other words, um, you know, for those of you who have ever purchased a home, you know that what you do is you make the offer on the home, whatever price range you're in, $100,000, 200000 400000 whatever amount of money, and you make this offer on the home, and then you give earnest money with the offer, which is just a token down payment it's a it's a token deposit it's really not all that big because something could go wrong in the offer and you could wind up losing the money so you could make an offer on a $500,000 home and write a check for $500 as earnest money it's it's a token payment now what Paul is saying here is that when we come to Christ and we experience God's grace in our lives and you're born again, as Jesus says, we receive an earnest money, a a, a token payment in our lives. It's called the Holy Spirit. Now, stop and think about this token payment. Now, this wonderful experience that we have knowing God, This presence of the Holy Spirit that I trust you have sensed this morning as people at all our different campuses were praising and worshiping God and the musicians were playing and the people were singing and and there's something different, there's something unusual here. This presence of God that causes you to lift up your face, lift up your voice, lift up your hands and worship to God. This Holy Spirit that is in us, that gives us hope in the midst of Hopelessness, when people around us are full of despair and they're giving up, and why try? Oh, what's the purpose of going on? This hopelessness that we can live in, yet we have hope in the midst of that. We have peace in the midst of turmoil and struggle and strife, where we can have joy in the midst of fear and joylessness. To the point where people look at you and say, "What's up with you? What's different about you?" you ever have someone look at you and say, "Man, what is it with you?" You know, because they start to notice something in you that's different than anybody else. You know, what are you smoking? What do you ever have anybody else? I mean, I've, I've come after a church man and walk into a convenience store just all lit up. And the first time I had to think, "Man, what are you drinking?" So I'm drinking the new wine. Wine in the Holy Spirit, man. People will look at you, they'll see something about... How can you be full of hope when others have lost their hope? How can you have strength when people have lost the energy and the purpose to move on? It's all by this power of the Holy Spirit. This life-changing energy that we get to experience that changes us, that causes us to want to be gathered here this morning. That causes you to do things that other people wouldn't do. To give money when other people are trying to hang on to every penny they've got. Something is different about us. And it's this Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. That connects us to God. To where we can experience God. It's not about thinking just about God or trying to touch God way out there. God has touched us. It was this very same Spirit that was in the hearts of martyrs as they were being thrown to the lions, everything taken from them, their very lives taken from them. But yet, in the midst of such struggles, they had joy unspeakable and full of glory. This incredible presence of God is our token down payment. (laughs) I can't wait for closing day, man. If this is the token... Can you imagine what heaven's going to be like? I'm telling you, this is very, very cool stuff. He says, this wonderful thing that you experience that energizes your life, and by the way, if you have never had this, let me challenge you to surrender your heart and life to Christ today. You can experience Jesus today and start experiencing the very things that I've just been talking about. Say, so well, I've gone to church all my life. i never had that. That's because it's been about church and it hasn't been about Jesus. You need to experience this wonderful Jesus that we're talking about. This faith, this believing in the gospel is our deposit, guaranteeing the inheritance that we're going to have until the redemption of those who are God's possession to to the praise of his glory. For this reason, Paul says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, now keep the context here, this is what he's asking. I keep asking this, that he may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also, why does he keep praying? That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that eyes can open up so we can see what it is that God has called us to. The hope to which he's called us to. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. What kind of power? How much power do we really get as believers in Jesus? He says that power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. This is the kind of power available to all of you who believe. You say, Wow, I, I don't think I've ever really experienced much of that. Yeah, that's the problem. Why don't we experience it? It's because our eyes are closed. We're not really understanding who we are, what this is really about. He says the challenge of coming in faith and knowing God and receiving this token payment of this incredible glory that is in us. There is so much power, so many blessings, so much wonderful that is due you if you will just open your eyes. And he says, Father, I pray for them that their eyes would be opened so they could see this incredible power and glory that is available. To all of us. You see, when we're born again, when we come to Christ, it's like we're a bunch of puppies. You know what puppies look like when they're first born? That's what they look like. Their eyes are all closed tight. They can't see anything. But as they start to mature and grow, suddenly their eyes start to open up. We need to pray that God will open up our eyes and not spend our Christian faith merely as a one-time step and then just sit there with our eyes closed. But we would begin to understand this incredible power that is available to each and every one of us as our eyes are open, as we grow in our faith. And this is something you do your whole life. It becomes more and more apparent to you how much God loves me, how much is available to me. The more I study the Bible, people say, why do you read the Bible? Not of obligation, it's because we want our eyes open. I want to see what's in the checkbook. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you, because a lot of us, the way we live spiritually, analogy would be like we're a bunch of street people pushing carts and, and we're dressed in rags and we, we look in the garbage can trying to, you know, maybe there's a song down there I can sing. I you know, mean, Pastor Mark has a little thing in there for me. I, I know there's something in there. I got I to have something. here. You know, I'll go to a Bible study over here, you know, and, and, but we don't realize That we got millions of dollars in the bank. Are you hearing me? People who are poor and don't realize how much money they have. That's what he's trying to say. The reason for studying the scriptures is, what is in the checkbook, man? I want to see this. The reason for coming to Bible, for all these things, is to learn more. To have our eyes open. So we can start really experiencing all that God has for us. You see, it's possible to be looking and still not see what God is doing. It's possible to be stumbling over stuff we want to see instead of what we need to see. And what we need to do is to pray that God will open up our eyes so we can really start to experience everything that God has for us. This is my prayer. My prayer for myself is prayer for all of you. It's why we do what we do. To help open up the eyes so we can start to really see what God is doing in our lives. I'm going to invite all the ushers to come forward at the different campuses right now and get ready to serve communion. The musicians can come back up. As they're coming, I want to read to you one more account from another gospel. This is the gospel of Mark. It says, when they came to Jer- Jericho, this is Jesus and his disciples. They, then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, a guy by the name of Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when blind Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth going by, he began to shout, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. Because he'd heard about Jesus, what Jesus could do, how he had healed the sick. Well, many people rebuked him. said, be quiet, dude, be quiet. But the more they told him to be quiet, the louder he shouted, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped because he heard this guy yelling. And he said, call him. So they called to the blind man cheer up dude get on your feet he's calling for you Well, throwing his cloak aside he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus well obviously he's blind he can't see he needs help it's clearly obvious the man is blind it doesn't take a rocket science to figure it out It's, it's, it's a very obvious handicap the man comes forward and I love this Jesus says What do you want me to do for you? Well, come on. It's obvious what the guy needs. Jesus knows what the man needs. Even if it wasn't obvious, Jesus would have known it. Yet he asks him, what do you want me to do? Why does Jesus do this? And he does this on several occasions, actually. He always tried to get them to say, what it is why because it's important for us to say what we need when we come to God this is the purpose of prayer to open our mouths and to say to him God this is what I need because when we open up our mouths and we start speaking it it becomes very real as we confess our shortcomings as we confess our needs to God the blind man said Rabbi this is what I want I want to see Where are you at this morning in your spiritual life? Are you one of those who just keeps just freaking out with what's in front of them? Or have you opened up your eyes so you can look around but you're still having a hard time seeing? Well, this morning as we take communion, make this a prayer of your heart. Lord, open my eyes. Help me to see. Help me to see what you're doing in my life. Help me to see God at work in me. Open the eyes of my understanding. Maybe you're here this morning, and as I mentioned earlier, maybe you've never really experienced Jesus the way we're talking about today. You've never truly come to faith, surrendered your heart to him so that he could touch your life. We're going to pray a prayer together, and as we pray this prayer, I'm going to invite all of you to pray this with me. If you will really believe this from the bottom of your heart, you can experience God's forgiveness and grace in your life. Your eyes can be opened this morning. Let's all bow our heads together. In a word of prayer, again, I'm going to invite everybody to pray this along with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you love me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, and to open my eyes. Amen.